Redeemer, as we continue growing in our understanding of our own story, we are gathering and sharing the stories of the people in this place. With our podcast, Interrupting Grace, Living Into the Way of Love, we will share these stories. The stories of grace in action, the stories of love in the world, the stories of living the way of love. How are you the Interrupting Grace? The Way of Love at Home series is part of our Interrupting Grace podcast. In this series, Philip Duvall and I will discuss Life Transformed, the Way of Love in Lent. Worship, gather in community weekly to thank, praise, and dwell with God. When we worship, we gather with others before God. We hear the good news of Jesus Christ, give thanks, confess, and offer the brokenness of the world to God. As we break bread, our eyes are open to the presence of Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are made one body, the body of Christ, sent forth to live the way of love. O God of unchangeable power and eternal light, look favorably on your whole church, that wonderful and sacred mystery. By the effectual working of your providence, carry out in tranquility the plan of salvation. Let the whole world see and know that things which were cast down are being raised up, and things which had grown old are being made new, and that all things are being brought to their perfection by him through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. That was great. Just love that. Love that. For I will leave in the midst of you a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord, the remnant of Israel. They shall do no wrong and utter no lies, nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths. Then they will pasture and lie down, and no one shall make them afraid. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing as a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home at, that, at the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes says the Lord. One of the most dramatic events of worship in the Easter Vigil is the element of surprise and delight baked into the liturgy. We share in darkness and subdued energy only to have a burst of worship-filled energy when we get 
to the ultimate song of worship, the Gloria. When we arrive at the Gloria, we throw on the lights, ring bells, sing at our loudest, and may even have a gleeful aspurging, sprinkling of holy water as a reminder of our baptism. We are celebrating the greatest surprise of all, the resurrection of Jesus, which put an end to death. This drama is an invitation to let our hearts be moved from fear and despair into gratitude and joy. In the final oracle from Zephaniah, we hear a distinct call to worship that follows the same dramatic arc that we find in the Easter visual. God has come. It is a time to celebrate. We are told to sing aloud, O daughter Zion, shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgment against you. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. Here we see that God intends to turn all our fear into rejoicing which means our worship should well up as an overwhelming act of gratitude. In Jesus, the prophecy of Zephaniah is fulfilled. From the very moment he was born, the angels cried out to say, Fear not, before breaking into their own glorious song, mirroring ours during the Easter vigil. In response to this wonderful gift from God, the shepherds ran to his stable to worship the newborn king of peace. As their fears subsided, their gratitude naturally flowed. Yet by the time Jesus' life is ending, when faced with the possibility of following him to the cross, the disciples are once again filled with fear. When they are reunited with the resurrected Jesus, the doors of a new future are flung open and they return to the stance of gratitude and worship. Their fear of eternal death as well as our own has been buried in the empty tomb We are invited to rejoice and let our gratitude for the gift of new life draw us to worship God. In our reading this week, we are called to let go of our fears so that we might truly worship God in a world beset by violence, hunger, exploitation, and oppression. This is no easy task. So um, there's questions here. Do you find it hard to worship when when fears are weighing you down. Um, but looking down at the bottom here, uh, there's another part of uh, introducing this worship talk that talks about how does your life, how can your life be worshiping God? Well, I'm also interested in that idea of like, do people have a hard time worshiping when they're not feel like when they're yeah. feeling afraid? Yeah, when you're feeling weighed down. I, I, I would say for me, no. Uh, I find it actually mm-hmm. a, a solid time to worship. Mm-hmm. First of all, because I don't consider worship inherently like jubilant or right. inherently uh, triumphant, that worship has a lot of different pieces to it. And uh, and that's and we have a liturgy that encompasses our fear and trepidation mm-hmm. and and sorrow and regret alongside our hope and our joy. So I think were I in a church tradition where worship inherently meant uh, sort of positive vibes as it were happiness instead of, yeah. Yeah. Um, then I might feel differently, but Mm -hmm. I, 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 I find, uh, a great amount of comfort in worship when I am down. Yeah. Personally. Absolutely. What about Um, you? I, I mean, I think I feel the same way. I remember there, Oh, I think it was, uh, what was it? Real world, New York. I don't remember it where I remember it she 
It all comes back to that, really. <laughs> Real World New York? Yeah. I, they, I, she, I remember she walked, I forget who it was. Um, I believe she was Latina. But I remember there was this scene where she walked into the back of this huge cathedral and just sat down in the back. And she was like in this like low despair point in her life. And like that was where she, um, you know, felt it. And so I, I think I even have this, my own feeling of that, you know, there's a part of me where um, there's just so much comfort to the ritual of worship, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that is such an advantage of of our liturgy um, that, uh, one, it's very similar across the board, right? Like on some level, you could go anywhere in the world and it would be familiar. So there's that comfort, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you're low and you're sad or you're in a place that is in discomfort, and, and as you say, we have all those, we even we even have, you know, you could open up the Book of Common Prayer and find something to, to be with you in that time, right? Um, that, that it, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's also something to say, at least for me, um, like I think of Christmas and Easter and those big holidays that there's so many people sometimes that it's like, I don't know, I don't know if I even want to be there. Right. Anonymity. (laughs) Right. Right. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I would, I would imagine like. I think that's probably why I'm so drawn to Compline. I mean, I, I know so many people are, but there's just this, like this quiet intimacy that for mm-hmm. me in that, in worshiping and, and gathering in that way is just so beautiful. But also very little room for variation. Yeah. And you know, there's I, an ex, I, you know what the X to expect. Yeah. I think it's really interesting how my views have changed on well, it's interesting to me. I can't guarantee that it's objectively <laughs> interesting, I, but I find it interesting that that it, we used to sort of apologize. I used to be in an apologetic stance for things that were repetitive, mm. and now repetition is such a joy. Um, I, and and as as you said, you said a, a comfort. Yeah. You know, it's like during this whole pandemic, the thing like I've learned a couple new things, but but the things that I've enjoyed, the one I mean, like you know that I've spent a lot of time. Um, making bread this pandemic. But what I like about it is not the experimentation. It's figuring out how to do it in a way that I appreciate and then doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the movement of it. It's the it's the incorporation of a new thing uh like is interesting, but that new thing becoming rhythm and and a new thing becoming part of the 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 rhythm of the day and the ritual of my life. Mm-hmm. That's the comfort. And musically I have gone further back and older mm. and reapproached songs I knew, but maybe different versions of what I've mentioned, you know, listening to this Ella Fitzgerald album yeah. for I, Spotify literally said, I listened to it for something like, um, <laughs> like 200, 186 hours or something like right, that right. in the last year. And the year wasn't even over when it said that. And I only started listening to it in, in March. Right. And, yeah. and like, I knew all those songs beforehand because it's Ella Fitzgerald singing all these standards, but I hadn't heard this version of them. So it was kind of new and kind of old. But my point was that the, the comfort of learning something new and finding a new way of hearing something that I already knew and understood. So it's not all of just like no new, but it's also not, oh, I just want to explore and try. I need something completely uncharted. 
that when we worship in our faith, because it's charted territory, there is, I find safety to explore within that reality yeah. and to just be, because there's a, a tremendous amount of pressure to feel like you are feeling the right things and, and coming up with, when someone's like, Hey Annie, can you pray for us right now? Say a prayer. You could, mm -hmm. but also it's like, make sure you say the right words mm -hmm. and feel the right things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's, it's not that that's always bad. That can be fine, but also relying on the words that have been there for many years and saying, you know, I'm reminded of this prayer and I want to share that. Yeah. Or, or Compline, just mm -hmm. same last night and tonight and forever. Mm -hmm. It looks like this. I, I think there are two things. My initial thought in you saying that is like, when we take comfort in what we have, there's also some understanding of um, we're in it for the long haul, right? There's more than this, just this moment, that there's more than just beyond, there's more beyond us, right? That that we are doing this so that those who come after us in some way, we're connected as the community, right? Like in the communion of saints, that this is something that will connect us forever. Um, yeah. And I think even, even you saying that, I think that kind of uh, the way of love is very similar to that, mm. that we're taking we're taking um, what we know and and looking at it. Um, we're not changing it, right? We're just giving a different, we're just looking at it differently. It's an acknowledgement that something doesn't have to be new to be good. Yeah. And that in fact, there's great value in re-approaching the thing. Mm -hmm. The Zephaniah reading, even that, God's not asking for anything new. Right. He's, he's asking them, he's, he's promising them something they've been promised before and not in a weird huckster sort of like this time I mean it sort of way, but in like a, a as he says, a renewal, mm -hmm. you know, this is a renewing event. This is a, this is a moment of, of, of reaffirming a reality about ourselves, mm -hmm. which by the way, having that reading as a prompt for worship, so beautiful because then worship in that case, he did, they didn't use one of the things about like dictating what worship would look like right, or right. like a law or a no, rule or, yeah. It was the singing out and the, and the crying out in joy, relief, sorrow, all the things that you need to let out the, the primal scream therapy of, mm -hmm. of, of worship in response to your restoration. Mm, and it's it's so in line also when we talked about rest, how your body's reacting to this too, right? That there's yes. this your there's this renewal of yourself, um, and yeah. and I, I mean in that language of that's coming to my mind is transformation in some way, mm. um, and and I know that we talk a lot about uh, like where like that's what worship is to do is to transform mm. us, um, yeah. so. So the, this idea of being renewed sends you out in some way, at least when I think about it differently. Yeah, that transformation 
isn't just a, I mean, obviously the word means like change. Right, right. Transforming. But, the, but yeah. an aspect of you changing doesn't mean that you're not you. Mm -hmm. So I think about, I think about like the relationships that I'm in that, that I grow and change, but the initial, so for instance, I'm in a marriage mm -hmm. as you may, as you may well know, <laughs> and the vows are the vows, mm -hmm. but almost 13 years later, we live into them differently and they feel different, but they're still the same vows. They haven't changed. Right. Right. So we're transformed and we, then we go back and look at how to live into those vows again, the same vows. So we've been through something and now as we're coming out of it, what does it look like to be, what, what's the transformation look like and how do we respond to that? And what if whatever our response is, is worship? Yeah, exactly. That, that how we respond and what that is, is worship. Um, obviously we have, I mean, what a, it's a really obvious line to be drawn towards the pandemic that we're experiencing right now and thinking about what relief from that and renewal after that will look like mm -hmm. and talking about taking us from a place of sort of derision and uh, such a low place and, and re well, to, to Israel and reestablishing their renown and their, and their stature. Mm -hmm. And you think about what, what a, what a, what a low place our country is in right now. And, and not, oh good, we could, God will make us great again. Not that, but what would it look like for God to, for us to partner with God in such a way that we, that the way that we live into our shared life as a country shone brightly for people and mm -hmm. made them like, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. The idea of it brings me, brings me great joy. I think that actually comes to mind, and I don't know if this is a road to go down, but um, so much of this becoming beloved community work, mm. um, as far as uh, that transformation and um, and just that idea of of systemic change, right? That mm. that. I mean, what, what's the, what, what if the language was systemic transformation of, um, I mean, I think language matters and I think change is a, is an important language mm -hmm. in that, but, mm -hmm. um, to think that people wouldn't be transformed after that. Um, yeah, I don't know. You mean back in the day or now? I would say now, but. What? We're at a place where everybody knows we have a, some choices to make. Yeah. Even those who say there is no such thing as systemic racism and you shouldn't be tearing down statues, uh, uh, white supremacist terrorist statues of, uh, of, um, of Confederate um, soldiers and leaders. Um, you can tell how objective I am about that. Um, but, but even for those who would say that, that they, they would agree we are at a decision point mm -hmm. because that is why they're digging in heels and saying, mm -hmm. we've got enough is enough or hold on. What are we willing to give up, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone, wherever you are on the spectrum of, of, of belief around, 
around race and racism in this country, everyone knows this is a moment in time. Yeah. And so for those of us who know that, for those of us who believe that there is, a, that there is, that this is a real opportunity to move forward towards real justice, healing and reconciliation, then we have to, um, we have to double down. Yeah. We have, we have to say, this is, we can't, we can't go backwards from this. Right. 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 We can't, we can't, we can't leave our siblings of color in the lurch again. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and then we have to hold ourselves accountable to that. And of course that act. So, so, okay. So biblically, Mm-hmm. Worship always includes sacrifice, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your your white body is the sacrifice. Yeah, my white body. Yeah, is the if we're and I don't and people are like oh so you have to die. Maybe, but that's not what I'm getting at inherently. Right, right. Are we willing to put ourselves in the breach mm. where our, where our siblings of color had so often been placed? Are we willing? to be a, to stand in the breach to allow ourselves to be inconvenienced to allow our lives to be changed and transformed because i believe that if we are that is worship that yeah. is an act of worshiping god to honor god's creation with our bodies is what worship is that is it right right so the I'm, liturgy the liturgy is a ritual working out of that reality you know, I, how did Gary say it? Gary said it a while probably, ago. Pr- probably perfectly. Probably perfectly. And he, oh, oh, I forget even the language he used, but like, I mean, true deacon taking your body into the world as the worship, right? That, mm-hmm. that, um, mm-hmm. that is, that is it. Well, and then how you feel about it is so secondary. Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday I, um, I led a, a very small uh, burial service and um, outdoors, of course, and all that. Um, but I'm always blown away by, this is a perfect example, by the way, of worship not being about how you feel, mm-hmm. right? Because the words to our burial service are the same. And some people want to call it a memorial and some people want to call it a celebration of life. And I have feelings about that, but I'm like, call it whatever you want. I'm going to say the same words. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the last things we say is, um, you know, you alone are mortal. Right. To God, we say you alone are mortal. And we are mortal. And we are, no, you alone are immortal. I'm sorry. We say you alone are immortal. We are mortal. And we see, you know, so you ordained when you made us saying from dust, you were made into dust, you shall return. And then I say, um, all of us, uh, all of us return to dust, but even at the grave, we make our song. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Mm. That, that is worship. Well, and that just speaks to, I mean, that is that Zephaniah reading, right? That, that, that that is what we are to do, even at the grave, 
even at the, even, I mean, I'm not sure there is a better part in the whole prayer book. And I love me the prayer book. Even at the grave, we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, mm. Alleluia. And the word Alleluia translated is praise ye the Lord. Mm-hmm. Even at my grave, my word is praise God. Mm. And to go to, 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 to proclaim it, it's not a matter of what you feel. If that's your words right? Mm-hmm. Then the idea that that being the final and the final truth of us, right? The final truth of us. We were looking at this vision statement, right? A while back that we were mm-hmm. putting together and we kind of sent it out to different leaders in the congregation to see how they were feeling about it as we were putting it together. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the leaders said, well, mm. you don't mention worship enough. You don't say that you don't talk about worship and I, well, it's just all united in relationships of holy connection and communion. It's just, and so we literally changed it from, um, we have a vision of a church that is knowing Jesus and growing in love to, we have a vision of, of a worshiping, worshiping community, community that knows Jesus and grows in love. And, and, and that was an, a, that is a direct result of a parishioner saying, where is it? Like, mm. who are we? And we put it at the very top. Well, and I think I haven't thought of this until this very moment that that is, that is, um, we are a community that with who we are, we are praising God. Mm. That, mm-hmm. that is what we are doing. We, we're, we are a worshiping community. So what mm-hmm. does that look like to do that inside and outside and right. all the time? Right. Understand our lives as acts of worship. Mm-hmm. Understand the way that you, like our decision to speak to each other right now, offered up to God as an act of worship. Yeah. It requires wholeheartedness, right? It requires you to be present. Yeah. To each other yeah. and to God. Hmm. There, there's... How do you think this? How do you think this fits for people who don't do what Uh-oh, we do and don't froze. work for the church, though? Can you hear me? Yeah. Did you say? Can you hear how me? Can you hear me? Feel okay. for people who don't work for the church. How, how does how does this? Yeah. How does this? How does our conversation fit? I mean, for you and I. Drawing the line towards how all of our work works for worship is, is it's easier than it is mm-hmm. for others, I think, or more natural because look what we do for a living work for the church. It's a little overt, we don't. Right? Ex- it's very, yeah, it's a little on the nose, guys. Or it's a little, <laughs> way to be subtle, way to be subtle, Phil and Annie. Um, so, so what does it look like um, for those who aren't in the church, uh, working for the church? What does this look like for our for our attorney friends, our physician friends and our architect friends. And um, like, what is it, what does it look like for our educators and, and, um, and for our retired folks? Like, what is it, what does it look like for my, my, for my seven-year-old? What does it look like to understand, Mm -hmm. to begin to understand this? 
Is it too much? Does it feel like, oh, right? Well, I think it also goes back to understanding to one of our previous conversations that we are blessings in this world, right? And and then and then kind of I'm I'm not trying to tie it up in a bow. I'm trying to work mm-hmm. it out, you know, verbally here. So thinking like thinking that if we are a blessing, and then in our everyday life, just merely by being, um, you are that. Uh, I mean, I think also. We can go on in our life so much without having that like flip of the switch, right? And understanding what that is. But I would beg to say that like that happens more than we think. That hmm. I mean and it and and it speaks to community in some way and and loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all that that's what we're asked to do. So loving your if, neighbor is worshiping God. Yes, exactly. That's where I, I think I was headed. <laughs> we did it. We got there. <laughs> no, right? I mean, we're. that's all God wants anyway, mm-hmm. is for us to live in love and charity with one another. So mm-hmm. if that's true, then this is it. So the idea is that we were made to worship God, which when I first heard that, I was re- repulsed. Right. Because I thought it was like, so God just made us as an ego trip. For himself. So we can sit around and be like, <laughs> yeah. God is the great. He's amazing. Let's sing some songs about it. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But if you understand the true worship of God as the love of neighbor and the, and vice versa, that love of neighbor is the worshiping of God, then all of a sudden, like, oh, it's so much. Yeah, it's so much. It's just then broken open. It's just at least You were made. Me. I just, it seems so simple, but I mean, it literally was... Over six years, about six years ago now, um, presiding Bishop Curry came to my previous diocese for the diocesan convention and he needed to be there. We, we were in a tough spot and he preached and I, so I've, I know I've said it before, but I say it a million times. He said it in this way that it was just seemed like so like he just it had just occurred to him. But he just said, we're made for each other. And then he just said, if not. If he said something like. Um, we're made, he said, we're made for each other. And then he just said, like, um, if not that, then what? But I just remember the reason that it killed me was because we're made for each other is like romantic language that you see in garbage movies that teach you something really weird about like you and I were made for each other, like you complete mm-hmm. me. But like, mm-hmm. so when you dismiss those foolish sort of pseudo romantic notions, you forget about the phrase made for each other. Mm. Because it goes along with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when he reintroduced that to my vernacular, when he brought that back in that sense, he reintroduced this idea of made for each other, but in a way that's actually healthy. Mm. That not, it doesn't mean you can like, like not in their romantic, like not in the um, man and woman at the end of a movie, mm-hmm. you know, breathlessly declaring love way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in the, this is the purpose for our existence as humans is for one another. Right. Right. Um, also just taking that, that as it is, you were made for each other. 
you don't need to say why you don't need to because you don't need any of it you were made for each other mm-hmm. that's it yep that's all yep and then take it yep i mean you- it just goes to all of the the conversations we've had right that like we're trying to find out a reason why but what if it is enough that we were just made for each other as you said what if that's enough yeah Worship looks like living like that's true. Yeah. And I think that the other thing that's a piece of it is to the degree that you are conscious of it, to stay conscious of it and intentional. I think intention, worship is intentional. The decision to work, when we talk about liturgy, when we speak liturgically, worship is like, you, st- and that's why you've got this ritual and you've got this repetition and you've got this whole beginning, middle and end. There's an order to it. Um, that's an intention. You've got to make the decision to do that. Like here, and now you might not, again, an intention doesn't mean you always feel the thing, right? So you don't always feel it like, like, uh, it doesn't like when you're intentional about something, it doesn't mean you're emotionally like all on the right place. But when you're intentional, you are, you are taking, you're, you're making yourself present. And as I said before, wholeheartedly and wholemindedly, like to a place to do a thing. And so what does it look like for us to, live and act with intention around our belonging to God and one another. That is an act of worship, right? So it's tricky because it's not like we're saying you don't even have to think about worship. I think you do want to think about it. I think you do. I think you do want to say, um, this is worship rather than saying, Oh, don't worry about worship. You're already doing it. I want to say, you're already doing these things. What would it be like if you understood that as worship and not in lieu of, but, and by the way, not in lieu of the ritual and the liturgy, um, because the gathered worship is important. Yeah. I think you saying that intention part of it as well, even, even when we were just talking about the vision statement and that understanding of what, um, this idea of worship is, I had like, if we just take what we have um, in front of us in our liturgy and in our community and, and be intentional about it, I think that changes, at least for me, um, I'm able to, I don't know if, if it's, uh, it just, it just feels, it feels different. It feels whole. It feels. Yep. It feels complete. It feels organic. It feels as it should. Um, it just completes me differently when mm-hmm. I have that intention. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really know how else to to say that, but mm-hmm. that they're just it just makes it that I don't know vaster is a word more vast mm-hmm. in in my understanding of where I am in the world and in community. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. That's the other piece about worship. The way we're talking about it is it turns us and all the more reason to do it when you're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Is it, if you're doing it, you're t- it takes you outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I get down, I get really narrow. Like in my thinking, I get really, I, I get put the blinders on as they see, which of course don't cover your eyes completely, but sort of like just straight, like a very narrow mm-hmm. space. And, um, 
very in, inward and and worship blows that open. Yeah. You know, keys you into all the things that are happening around you. It's really important. Yeah. <sighs> oh God and Father of all, whom the whole heavens adore, let the whole earth also worship you. All nations obey you, all tongues confess and bless you, and men and women everywhere love you and serve you in peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 <laughs>